Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is perhaps permanently installed at the soundhealthportal.com, which is really great to see soundhealthportal.com continue to evolve. I say this each week, but each week there's something that I watch a demo that she, Sherry does with the Sound Health Portal. And it really is astonishing how much data and how much information is available there now. You can go to soundhealthportal.com and you can go to, you can scroll down that page and look for active campaigns. And for instance, one of the active campaigns is the Corona conflicts. Or some of the others are like BioDiet, neuroplasticity, PTSD. And actually, BioDiet would be an interesting program for people with ADHD or ADD or any of those kinds of neuro things perhaps even neuroplasticity to look at. Perhaps Zen and I will talk about that a little bit. You can go to the soundhealthportal.com, scroll down to the campaigns. I would suggest clicking on the Corona Conflicts campaign because Sherry's done quite a write-up of a lot of information about it and some of the things that she's found that it that virus in particular bumps into and decreases in our system, which are needs, for instance, glutathione. It really knocks out glutathione, which is part of the immune defense system. So you can go there. You can pick a campaign. You'll then be in, walked through signing up free account. They don't spam you. They don't sell it. They don't really do anything with it other than send you a report. And then they'll walk you through recording two 45-second recordings, which you can do right through your computer. I do suggest, in particular, because everybody's Zooming and conferencing all the time now, was a handy thing to have around. There's a great dollar value microphone called the Samsung S-A-M-S-O-N Go Mic, which you can find either at soundhealthoptions.com at the store or any number of places. And it's about a $30 microphone. It really improves the quality of your intake for the Sound Health portal. And it will really improve your audio on Zooms instead of shouting at your computer. So it'll walk you through doing the two 45-second recordings and then somewhere between a couple of hours, and I've never waited more than 12, you'll get a report in the email. And you want to sit down with, I suggest, a cup of tea and review it because there's a lot of information in there. Just looking at possibly something that's either hypertonistic, meaning that it's too much. It may mean that somewhere in your digestive or your methylation cascade, which is this amazing twirling chart of how everything interacts and breaks down, Sometimes if something is hypertonistic, it means that it's not being assimilated, so it's sort of stuck in the system. Or if something is hypotonistic, meaning low on the chart, that it, again, might be that it's not being utilized. Or perhaps you need more of that. For example, in the corona conflicts, your glutathione levels may be depleted, so therefore it'll show hypotonistic. So you'll get this wonderful report. I suggest reviewing it. And then if you have a healthcare practitioner that you like and thinks it is open to that kind of information, I would take it to them and talk to them about it. I'd also suggest if you want to know more about the soundhealthportal.com that you go to soundhealthoptins.com, click on In the News, and look at one of the recent videos on air, on live webinars, demos, that Sherry takes somebody's vocal print through the Sound Health Portal, and you can see how it works. Because some of the charts now and some of the graphs that have been created are really extraordinary amounts of information in a visual form, which I find really helpful because it shows you that like, here's the thing you want to focus on right now, and then perhaps other things will change and come into balance as you work on those. Really wonderful stuff, soundhealthportal.com. If you go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and then click on Sound Health Radio, You'll find today's flyer for Zen Honeycut, Unstoppable. And you'll find a flyer for that there. And that'll be the links back to the show notes and everything that we're going to talk about. And also at the top of that, now we have a link for Stitcher and for Pocket Casts, where if you go to my preferred app is actually Pocket Casts. It's cross-platform. You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your iPad or your Android tablet or your iOS phone or your Android phone. And it's really just a, it's a great, well-designed podcast aggregator, gatherer of shows that you want to listen to. And if you click on that link, it'll take you to a page with 
about 30 minutes after the show, this show at the top of the list. And there also you'd be able to search and go back and find the show we did with Zen back in, I think it's just about a year ago. We seem to be sort of on a year cycle, May 16th. But I'll put, I have that in the show notes. But you'll be able to find this show at the top of that list and replay it and listen to it again. And also there are in Pocket Casts over to the right, there will be three dots. And if you click on those dots, you'll be able to share this podcast. And this is the kind of information that you're really, is somebody you know that's going to want to hear this about glyphosate and the current campaign that Moms Across America is working on. It's really wonderful. And with that, Zen Honeycutt is the founding executive director of Moms Across America, a nonprofit national coalition of unstoppable moms, and author of the book, Unstoppable, Transforming Sickness and Struggle into Triumph, Empowerment, and a Celebration of Community. She has her own podcast, Unstoppable with Zen Honeycutt, which can be found by visiting her site, zenhoneycutt.com. For years, Zen has been motivating groups around the globe to take action to improve their quality of life, health, and food. Speaking tours have taken her to Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Switzerland, China, Maui, France, The Hague, and across mainland America. Known for being unstoppable, Zen makes a practice of going head-to-head with government agencies, big corporations, and anyone who believes that things simply are the way they are and that it is impossible to create change. Zen joins us to talk about Moms Across America recent calls for Bayer to retire Roundup Weed Killer. Welcome, Zen. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Richard, and and thank you to all of your listeners. It's great to be with you. And I'm surprised, I I have in the show notes, I'm not going to give you the whole history on Zen, and we're not going to start with that part. We're going to start from here now with a little bit of history, but I will put in the show notes the link to the last show we did on May 16th, 2019, which leads me to ask about, you did this wonderful thing, I'll, I'll just read this very short blip from the press release you put out, I believe, about the Impossible Burger. Moms Across America announced on May 16, 2019, the Impossible Burger tested positive for glyphosate. The levels of glyphosate detected in the Impossible Burger by Health Research Institute laboratories were 11 times higher than the Beyond Meat Burger. The total result, glyphosate and its breakdown, AMPA, was 11.3 parts per billion. Moms Across America also tested the Beyond Meat Burger, and the results were one part per million. So you did that. Then, within, seemed like, minutes, the Impossible Foods group responded by attacking you and saying you were evil and a communist and you were trying to tear down America. Or I'm making all that up, but I mean, they really did attack you aggressively. Pretty close. And, yeah, and then Dr. McCullough stepped in and said, who are you talking about that way? It was a great, it was really a wonderful blitz of, of back and forth. And my question is, what's the state of the Impossible Burger today? Well, today they are still you know, successfully expanding because unfortunately major media doesn't pick up stories like mine, which has glyph, you know, which exposes glyphosate or ours, you know, moms across America's because they don't want to cover the contamination of glyphosate because the major funder, you know, Monsanto, which is now known as Bayer, uh, funds a lot of their commercials and their, you know, the media the commercials. So they don't tend to cover that type of information. So most people in America still don't know that the Impossible Burger is made up primarily of of GMO ingredients, which, you know, are inherently have been shown to be harmful, for instance, contain more putrazine and cadaverine. Those those are two toxins than in other, um, you know, non-GMO ingredients, and also to contain higher levels of glyphosate. And so, most Americans still don't know this, unfortunately. We're still trying to get the word out about this. What has happened is that many other nonprofit organizations have done campaigns about this. Um, it also sparked a very good conversation around regenerative agriculture because of the exposure, you know, because of our article. Um, there was there was arguments going back and forth about regenerative ag and, you know, growing more plants instead of less 
you know, uh, monocrops, which feed animals and the whole animal agriculture conversation. So it really sparked a whole conversation in, in which a, a regenerative agriculture farmer invited the head of Impossible Foods out to his farm to, to learn more. I, di- I didn't hear that, that that actually ever happened, but I appreciate that people, at least on one side, are open to having a conversation and to talking about this more and to finding solutions. So uh, we continue to you know, raise awareness about that. We have seen a little bit more progress. There was one chain, and I'm sorry I don't remember right now, but there was one chain that dropped the Impossible Burger mm-hmm. and decided to sell a different, um, a different type of vegetarian burger instead. And we have had a company come to us who has said, we want to meet the Moms Across America Gold Standard, which we have since then we've launched um, – regarding our, you know, non-meat burger. And we figure if we do that, then we're golden. And I said, you, you will be because our Moms Across America gold standard is the highest standard out there. It right. includes not just non-GMO and organic, but, you know, humanely raised and fair trade and eco-friendly pa- packaging and it supports regenerative ag. So if a company can meet those standards, they are meeting the highest standards out there according to, you know, mothers who are, who purchase 85% of the food. So um, I think that what, you know, in listening to our mothers, what they want is kind of important. And we hope that right. many food companies across the board will will strive to meet those. That would be wonderful. The reason the Impossible Burger actually popped up recently for me, I was listening to a tech panel about not environmental issues, but it's just a tech panel. And one of them was a, a female tech reporter that I've followed for a long time that I have a lot of respect for. And she said, recently, I stopped eating meat and I've switched over to the Impossible Burger. And I thought, wait a minute, this Mm. woman is really smart. What is she thinking? What is she doing? So I immediately tweeted her and I said, did you know? And she was like, oh, my God. And, you know, it was just people just don't know. Yeah, it's really shocking. It's it's shocking. But let's let's remember that we didn't know at one point, too. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't know. And and we weren't idiots. We weren't which I see that word flying around. We didn't necessarily have our head in the sand. We weren't evil. And so I would, I would really, you know, um, implore people to remember that there was a time when we didn't know information that we now think is very obvious and to be compassionate and be kind to people who don't know. And simply like you did, you asked her, did you know, you know, and, and just, yeah, be kind to people that don't know because, Clearly, they don't know. I mean, some people know and they're choosing to do that anyway. And um, that's their, you know, that's their choice. However, you know, there are, there could be implications to other people, of course. So you may want to ask them, did you know this? And, and there, here's, you know, one side effect of it or implication to other people or whatever. And, and they'll hopefully consider that. Right. Now I have a list of, I'm going to go through a quick list of what I would consider to be the, some of the potential effects of glyphosate just for sort of audience refreshment, I'll, I'll call it. Sure. And I want to check and see what I'm missing here. Uh, let's see. So gl- potential effects of glyphosate are endocrine disruptor, neurotoxin. The WHO labeled it as a carcinogen. It's, I have so many bad words I want to use here. Uh, it is very deleterious to our gut microbiome let alone what it is doing to the soil's microbiome. What am I missing? I know I'm missing some things there. It is, um, it's been shown to cause liver and kidney disease mm-hmm. and damage and reproductive harm to the actual organs, uh, to the testes, to the sperm, to the ovaries. It has, uh, you did mention neurotoxicity and endocrine disruption as well, which affects hormones and it, has been shown to contribute to a fast-growing breast cancer called Lumen B, which is commonly uh, more affects young women in their 20s more than older women. And that was uh, just within the past year, I think, since we've talked, that study came out. And uh, more recently, there's a new study. We can talk about that. Oh, please. Yeah, okay, great. So... This new study was just released last week. It was a combination of scientists, 16 scientists from UC Davis Comprehensive Cancer Center and Chiba University from Japan. And that was the Center for Forensic Mental Health. 
and they found that maternal exposure to high level of glyphosate herbicides produced, uh, which is of course produced by Bayer slash Monsanto, caused autism symptoms in young male rats. And what was different about this study is that it not only showed that glyphosate herbicide impacted the gut microbiota, but it showed that enzyme activity after glyphosate exposure was higher in certain parts of the organs and particularly, um, I believe it was in the brain. Yes, the brain of the offspring um, was higher than in the control groups. And when they treated the rats orally with, um, and this was a particular enzyme called soluble epoxide hydrolase, they call SEH. And when they treated orally with an SEH inhibitor for the production of that enzyme from pregnancy to weaning, they prevented the onset of the autism-like behavior after maternal exposure. So that shows a significant finding of causation and prevention. And this is one of the first studies that I've seen that has actually shown, you know, a, a direct causation. And that's why they use the word caused in the title. I'm not, you know, just randomly throwing that around. You, you really can't do that with scientific studies. So uh, this is a very important study and once again confirms the disturbance of the gut, my, gut bacteria, which you mentioned, which has all kinds of implications of many different kinds of uh, problems within the body. But this one about autism we're particularly concerned about because one out of six children now in America has a learning disability. One out of five children is living with mental illness. And it's predicted by 2025, half of our children will be diagnosed with autism if we continue at the current rate. Wow. Um, the he- the <clears throat> excuse me, the header for this press release that you wrote uh, was Moms Across America calls for Bayer to retire Roundup weed killer after study shows maternal exposure in rats cause autism symptoms. And one of the things that what made me silent there for a minute was the thinking of the in the times that we have talked, and from also talking to our ally, Stephanie Seneff, yikes, um, it's just yes. becoming more and more, we, we have, well, I mean, the, the overall conversation is really blossomed hugely about the gut health and how really the gut is the other brain. I think actually it's kind of the brain, and then the one in our head is following orders, um, because really if you start messing with the gut digestion, you're, that's the foundation of how everything works, how it gets broken down, how the hormone cascades gets affected, how immune system gets affected. So this, this is showing the study that you're calling, or the, this study and what you're calling Bayer, now Bayer, to mm-hmm. stop is what I think is such an amazing potential cascade of bad long-term effects. I mean, right now it's showing up as an autism, but I mean, that's just possibly the tip of the iceberg. We don't know what the long-term effect of glyphosate exposure or regular consumption of glyphosate on a person after 30 years. Well, yeah, the autism impact and, you know, ADHD is on that spectrum, right? It's early onset dementia, Alzheimer's and elderly people, all of those are in the same realm. Uh, that is actually one of the more immediate symptoms that show up. One of the long-term symptoms that show up are cancer, right? Liver and kidney disease, those take longer to show up. Those take years, but autism and autoimmune issues can be a much shorter time period, especially in children, because children are more vulnerable. And what we're seeing now is, I mean, there was a post I saw the other day, I haven't verified it, but it was like one out of 15 children in some states are showing up with autism symptoms. And so we're going down a very scary path where we are compromising an entire generation of children and therefore the future of America. I mean, if you think about it, if the inventors of, uh, well, you know, they're not the my favorite people right now, but Google or, you know, Facebook, which have clearly impacted the world if they had been impacted by whatever could have caused autism for them when their mothers were you know giving birth to you know had were pregnant with them that would have that would have you know impeded upon their ability to invent the type of things that they invented 
What if we are really hampering the future of mankind, of, of humans, by impacting the ability for an you know half of an entire generation to live to their fullest potential? It's very concerning. In addition to that, we see adults being impacted. One of the most fascinating things I think I learned about glyphosate uh, from scientists that I've talked to with decades of experience is that glyphosate has been proven to, as you mentioned earlier, destroy the beneficial gut bacteria in our gut and allow for the proliferation, promote the proliferation of pathogenic gut bacteria, such as um, salmonella and E. coli. And not only do you get, you know, more things like urinary tract infections, if you have, you know, high levels of E. coli and you get more sick, you've got salmonella, but that when you kill off the beneficial gut bacteria, you're killing off the place which is considered the stronghold of the immune system. And of course, we all know now that the immune system is incredibly important in fighting off things like viruses, right? And how severely you get things like COVID. Um, in addition, one of the most important things is that in that beneficial gut bacteria is where serotonin and melatonin and guarin and many very important hormones are, are stored or produced. And if you don't have enough of this good bacteria, you won't have good levels of serotonin. Without good levels of serotonin, you can't regulate insulin. And without being able to regulate insulin, of course, you'll get diabetes. Diabetes has been one of the number one expenses of healthcare costs in America today. It's going to bankrupt our nation if we continue at this rate. It may already be bankrupting our nation. Last stat I saw is we're spending $2.2 trillion on healthcare. That's way more than what we're spending on the military. So there's some very important things about the gut microbiome that's just now being discovered that impacts human health. And, you know, of course, without melatonin, you're not going to sleep well. Um, that's, it's a major factor for some reason. I, I don't remember exactly why, but it's a major factor in how severely your um, symptoms are from COVID. And of course, without melatonin and not being able to sleep well, you could get bipolar, depression, um, you won't feel satiated. So you're going to be more likely to be addicted to things could be leading to, you know, alcohol addiction and porn and gambling and all these other types of things, which can be unhealthy and disrupt, you know, the fabric of American families, you know, our society. So it's, it, it's impactful in many ways, which we can't just chart on a, you know, put on a chart and add up in stats and send that to public health department, right? You can't add up how many divorces have been caused because people are so angry because their gut bacteria is so messed up because they're eating glyphosate every day, right? That's not something that's easy to track. Uh -huh. So there's a lot of other implications, you know, in addition, couples with a special needs child, like a child with autism, 80% of them get divorced. So then you've got a single parent with that is constantly on, you know, uh, in charge of a child who could be violent, um, you know, not able to go to the bathroom by themselves, changing diapers at 14 years old is not easy to do for a single person. There's a lot of other implications in which, um, you know, which is impacting our society from directly from glyphosate. And when you look at the fact that that these healthcare costs are so high, just from that perspective, not just from the struggle and the you know the the, the loss and and the the tragic side of the the side effects, but from the healthcare cost, the number one reason for bankruptcy in America is healthcare costs, medical bills. Hmm. Uh -huh. And so if you look at it from an economic standpoint, glyphosate is contributing to these healthcare costs in a major way. So it really is public enemy number one to our health and economy. For that reason, this should be banned off our shelves and out of our agriculture system immediately. We can't afford glyphosate. We simply can't. It's, it's, it's impacting our health and economy way too much. Right. And I, I want to jump back for a moment to the thing you were, serotonin. One of the, one of the characteristics of serotonin, a hormone, uh, is that it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of called the well-being hormone. So if you have yes. good levels of hormone, you feel more at ease, you feel less anxiety, you feel less of that whole cascade that it can occur from having anxiety, too much nervous, 
Uh, well, that's an acupuncture phrase, actually, too much nervous. Uh, sometimes an acupuncturist will pulse you and go, oh, too much nervous. <laughs> oh, really? <You> think? <laughs> um, and so when you start, when you start, effect, when the effects are beginning to get into the hormones, I mean, it's one thing to have a, and I'm not in any way diminishing the horror of having a growth of some kind, a mass of some kind of your body. However, that is something that can be actually be observed and worked on, perhaps. But when you start messing with the hormone cascade, which means that those are the signals in our body, the signaling system in our body that our hormones are just little, really kind of electrical signals in the body that go to a cell that has a receptor site for that hormone and has an effect. So when you start affecting mm-hmm. the body on that subtle a level and start knocking things over like a, you know, I don't know what. I can't come up with a good metaphor. A thug in a, you know, 7-Eleven, you know, knocking over things. I mean, it's really so stressful on the body to just have one simple, if it only affected serotonin, let alone everything else that glyphosate does, if it only affected serotonin, I mean, we're in a stressful time because of the administration, because of COVID, because of our health care, because of everything else. And on top of that, our serotonin levels are out of whack. So we're already pre inclined toward being stressed. So we're like at the top. We're like right there, man. It's, it just blows my mind how this is still okay, but people are making a bazillion dollars. And I guess that seems to be the thing is it's back to my old follow the money. Is that really from every, all you're looking and researching, is that really still it? Is it the follow the money? People are just greedy and don't yes, care. I, I believe this all comes down to money and a lack of responsibility. I believe these corporations will do whatever they can to make money and they won't stop until it is deemed financially not viable for them, you know, until they're not able to. You know, for instance, three judges on a panel just this week in the in District Nine courts overruled the EPA's decision to allow dicamba to be used, which is another uh, chemical which has been used as a substitute for glyphosate now for the past year or so. And it's been shown to be very harmful to other crops. There's been over $3 million in damage reported. That's just what's been reported from dicamba crop, dicamba drift. You know, if a neighbor uses it, it drifts over to another farm and it it causes millions of dollars in damage. And so... um, so they they will not be able to sell this this uh, product anymore. But I assure you, if the judges had not done this, they would be continuing to sell it, despite the reports from farmers of over $3 million worth of damage. They will continue doing what they want to do as long as they can. And this is why I implore people to really reconsider when they elect people to office that want to tear down every single governmental, you know, regulation agency. I believe we do need some regulation. I think too much is, you know, too much, but, but some is absolutely necessary because we simply cannot trust private companies to make products that are um, going to, you know, not impact consumer health. We, We simply can't, they are, they will make poisonous products and they will sell them for as long as they can. Across the board, many different types of companies will do that. So we do need some regulation, and we need to have people elected that will uh, put the health of people before the wealth of a corporation. And the administration we have right now simply is not doing that, and it's not just been this administration. It's been many of them, and, um, and we, you know, we need to keep that in mind. And I want to step sort of sideways for a moment and talk about mm-hmm. grains, Talk about Roundup okay. Ready. Let's talk about wheat, since that's such a predominant thing in our country, wheat. Who doesn't like wheat? And yet, we have Roundup Ready grains. What does that yes. mean? Well, so the wheat actually hasn't, and they've tried to do a Roundup Ready wheat, and it hasn't been approved. But oh. It has been found to be grown. Yeah, but that what they're doing is they're, it doesn't have to be Roundup Ready in order to spray it with glyphosate as a drying agent before harvest. And they're doing that to simply dry it out faster so that they can harvest it more quickly 
you know, some crops could be sort of greenish on one end and then, you know, completely ripe on the other end. And then that delays their ability to be able to harvest it all at once. So for about 10 years now, many wheat growers, not all of them, but especially the ones in the wetter regions up north, like North Dakota, South Dakota, Canada, Canada grows the largest amount of wheat and canola, I believe in the world. And they, so they have been, it's been a regular practice for them to spray glyphosate as a drying agent on many crops. And the problem with that is that glyphosate does not wash, dry, or cook off. And so it ends up in our grains for a long time. It was in our oats, but there's now a oat distributor that will no longer accept oats that are sprayed with glyphosate. And the reason that they used was because glyphosate um, compromises the integrity of the grain. It actually breaks it down. Well, um, I have to say no duh, because Hmm. glyphosate has been shown to also be a chelator, by the way. That's the one we missed. A chelator. By Hmm. being a chelator, it means it, it grabs onto and makes unavailable the vital nutrients of any living thing it touches. That's how it dries it out, right? It, 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 it's a chelator. So it's, uh, you know, so the, the oats, when they're, you know, the, the vitamins and minerals are not being able to, to be utilized in the oat grain anymore, then it sort of breaks down the integrity of the, the grain. And, um, and so that's what's happening in wheat and peas and beans and legumes and corn and sugar and soy and all of these different types of crops that are sprayed with glyphosate. And the integrity of the food is being broken down. So it's no surprise that the integrity of our bodies is being broken down, of our immune system is being broken down. And, and ultimately our minds, you know, when you've got one out of five Americans with mental illness, that's going to include policemen and teachers and politicians and your next door neighbor and truck truck drivers and, you know, co-pilots. People are going to start doing things which are not considered sane. And that's going to contribute to a society where we have unrest. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing now. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that glyphosate is causing racism. That is a, that's a, you know, to, to, to comment on what's going on in in today's world that is taught, that is learned. Right. But our reaction to things like what's going on right now, or, um, you know, uh, uh, if somebody's addicted to something in your home or if you don't like the way your day went right at your job, your ability to make clear and sound and reasonable decisions and to respond in a way that's either mature or responsible or helpful or compassionate is impacted when your brain doesn't work, right? And that's because your gut microbiome has been destroyed. When your brain neurons are not connecting in a way that, um, that help you to make uh, mature decisions, then we're going to have a society where, where a lot of people are not making responsible and mature decisions. And there's a book by Barbara Reed Stitt called Food and Behavior, The Natural Connection, in which she studied this decades ago in uh, parolees and serial killers and, um, you know, violent criminals and also high school dropouts. And she saw that they all had one thing in common, and it was not their race or their socioeconomic background. No matter what their race or how wealthy or, or you know, underprivileged they were, they all bragged that they lived on junk food. Like very common for them to say, all I drink is Coke and all I eat is Hot Pockets. Like that kind of food. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so their brains were not getting the vitamins or minerals that they needed, right? And they were probably also exposing themselves to a whole heck of a lot of, you know, chemicals. And so they weren't able to make, you know, sound decisions. And they had that addiction, right? That unsatiated feeling of like, I need more violence or I need, you know, it, it, violence can, can uh, occur. It occurs as adrenaline, right? And gives your body like this high. And so what we're seeing now is a, is a nation of people who unfortunately, uh, you know, many of us are, are thinking our ability to think to remember to make good decisions is being compromised and for me that is it's one of the most tragic tragic things out there that our our ability to think clearly and make good decisions is being impacted by these chemical companies 
So we have people who, or any one of us, might not be thinking clearly. We're reactive, and we have depleted levels of serotonin, so we don't have some of that sort of yes. BDs calming kind of quality that serotonin has. So that's depleted. Mm-hmm. We're anxious. Our nerves are stressed out. Our livers are stressed out. Our adrenals are stressed out, just from our diet, perhaps. And on top of that, then when somebody confronts you, you're hyper-reactive. You're not just reactive. You're like crazed. You go off. You, yes. So it's, it just seems like a bad sci-fi movie. <laughs> I'm not is, diminishing it, but yeah, it just it really is mind blowing. As we talk, it always blows my mind. Like, oh my, you know, how are we even still here? Because we just seem like we're <laughs> we're striving toward. I don't know. It's like Wile E. Coyote going off the cliff with that without the comedy. It's just it's just yeah. stunning to me. And th- and then we're doing crazy things like injecting these chemicals into our human race. You know, I'm I'm going to bring this up. We didn't talk about whether or not we could go there, but we we you know tested for glyphosate in vaccines. We found it in all five of them. Another another scientist tested 14 of them and found them in all but three. So essentially confirming our our findings. And I'm very concerned that the, the glyphosate in vaccines, especially the flu shot given to pregnant women, is contributing to the levels in women which can be considered high and which can lead to autism. And considering that there's a new COVID vaccine that's being developed right now, you know, we really have to ask, will they test for glyphosate contamination? Will they allow aluminum? And the reason why I bring up aluminum is because glyphosate's not only harmful because of all the reasons that you mentioned, endocrine disruption and chelation and destroying the gut bacteria and cancer and liver and kidney damage, you know, breast cancer, all of those. It's also harmful harmful because it it increases the impact of other environmental toxins, meaning mercury or aluminum could be there in a vaccine, but not, not cause harm because it can't get through the blood-brain barrier. However, with glyphosate present, which has been proven to break down the blood-brain barrier, it will then break it down like a dam, and that aluminum or, mer- or mercury or you know, other types of toxins, formaldehyde, polysorbate 80, in the vaccine can get into the brain and impact, you know, again, people's ability to think and, and react in a, you know, to their behavior, react in a way that um, makes sense or that they can control. Um, and so that is very concerning because the CDC and the FDA are doing essentially that from what we can see, nothing about that. And studies have shown up in the past year that have shown that high levels of aluminum have been found in particular parts of the brain of deceased children that had autism and deceased elderly with Alzheimer's. And we believe that's because they are getting, you know, shots more than the middle-aged people, right? Middle-aged people in general are not getting any vaccines, but children are and our elderly are. The elderly are getting high-dose flu shots. They're getting, my father fell and got a scrape on his arm, like a a, a cut on his skin, and they gave him the DTaP. You know, because, mm. oh, we're worried about tetanus. The first ingredient in that tet- tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis shot is aluminum. And so he had levels a year after the shot of 246 parts per billion of aluminum in his body. His doctor was beside himself. And a year later after that, we gave him um, Fiji water every day because we heard that the silica in it draws the aluminum out. Um, we got his levels down to six parts per billion. And his cognitive ability was restored. He was reading uh, Secret Life of Plants and The Brief History in Time uh, two weeks before he died. So his cognitive ability was restored, but his liver and kidney damage had already was too far gone, and heart damage was too far gone. Right. So I believe that um, a vaccine that was loaded up with uh, probably glyphosate and aluminum was what killed him. And, and so we have to consider that, too. Will this new COVID vaccine have glyphosate in it? Will we continue to, you know, mandate vaccines which have glyphosate in them? And will our, F, our FDA or CDC even consider this fact and do testing and require that vaccines are made without toxins? We don't know. But again, it's like a, it's like a sci-fi movie. How could they even be allowing this? <laughs> right. And the glyph- they're not, it's not that they're 
I'm not defending them. Uh, it's not that they're putting the glyphosate in there. The glyphosate in there is a der- derived from something that they're using. It could be the gelatin um, that they're yes, using. Yeah, so pigs yeah, talk eat, about that, yeah, would you so please? Pigs, yeah, sure. Pigs eat grains that are primarily GMO, and they eat soy and corn, right, and oats and things like that. And, well, oats aren't GMO, but they're, they're sprayed with glyphosate as a drying agent, or grown with glyphosate you know, dur- during the growing season. And so there are very high levels of glyphosate allowed on grains fed to animals, like in the thousands of parts per billion. And an animal study by Monica Kruger from Germany has shown that glyphosate does accumulate in the tendons and the bone marrow and the muscle tissue. And, um, and so they then take the tendons of the pig and grind them up and put them into vaccines in the form of gelatin because certain vaccines have live viruses. So they need a stabilizing agent to, to make sure that that live virus stays live. So some vaccines can contain up to 25% gelatin, which is quite high. And that those vaccines are in particular, are the ones we tested was the MMR vaccine. So the MMR vaccine has 20, the ones that we tested had 25 times higher the amount of glyphosate than all the other vaccines. And the one that Anthony Samsell tested had 34 times higher the amount of glyphosate than the other vaccines. And so we believe that's the primary way that that glyphosate is getting into vaccines. Now, the other ingredients like bovine serum and and chicken, um, I don't know, cells and uh, sugar and dairy and soy and all, there are many other ingredients in vaccines that are GMO or that could be sprayed with glyphosate as a drying agent. So there are other ways that glyphosate could be getting into vaccines. And we believe that's why it showed up in all of the vaccines that we tested. And um, mm-hmm. so, that, yes, that's how, it's not an ingredient, it's a contaminant. Right. But even then, it should not be allowed. But if, if, well, the, if the CDC didn't allow it, <laughs> they would have to shut down the entire vaccine production-making system, which would be massively impactful to big pharma because they make trillions of dollars off of vaccines. And uh, I would, I'm sure that the, these corporations would sue the federal government if that happened. I mean, they just, you know, they just won't do it. And in fact, when I talked to the CDC about it, I I said, you know, hasn't there ever been a time when you found contaminants and vaccines and you've shut down production? They said, Oh yeah, we did it recently. There was glass found in a certain vaccine and and we shut (laughs) that down. And I said, well then, yeah, then, then why can't you do that with glyphosate? She said, well, we, we have to consider, you know, the, vi- the validity of the testing, first of all. And, and I said, well, if you don't think the testing that we've done is valid, why don't you do your own? And she's like, well, we, you know, we have to consider the, also the financial ability of the, of the corporations. So it just comes down to money. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing. I want to step aside ever so slightly for a moment because I want to yeah. talk about I want to talk about food. But I want to start by mm-hmm. saying uh, this is a, per, a pet peeve of mine uh, with beef, and this will also lead to eggs, is you see a lot of beef that's being sold as grass-fed. The trick is it has to say, or you have to, Having been in the restaurant business, I, when I see on a menu that something's grass-fed, my question that usually ends up somebody going back to the kitchen and asking the chef, is it grass-finished? Because grass, right. grass-fed beef can be grass-fed, raised on grass, and then finished off with grains because it fattens the animal up in a way that gets more, more dollar per pound. And so it has to be grass-fed, grass-finished. And the same is true with eggs, with chickens. Because chickens can be out there wandering, you know, chickens that are in mm-hmm. the world of wild chickens. I don't know if that even exists anymore. Let's pretend there are wild chickens. And they're just out there pecking and they're eating grubs and dirt and whatever they eat. Are not going out of their way to eat GMO corn. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, they're not. But oftentimes, yes. but oftentimes chickens will be pasture raised and then again grain finished to fatten them up before harvest. And so you get that into your eggs. So you, if you're going to eat meat, grass-fed, grass-finished. And if you're going to eat eggs, it want, you want it to be pasture-raised and pasteurized. You know, they want to be only pastured. No in-cage finished feeding. Because I think that yes. if, if they were using derivatives from eggs 
in vaccines, because I know some of the things come from eggs, mm-hmm. that if they used pastured-fed eggs, chickens, that didn't have grains, we'd probably eliminate at least that level of the pollution from GMO grains and glyphosate and all the stuff that can occur there. At least you'd be getting yes. clean chickens. You make a good me- point. The Go Yeah, the levels of glyphosate found in eggs were higher than the FDA allowance, which is already ridiculously high. So that's wow. one of the the biggest factors of glyphosate exposure is eggs. Wow. Yes. Conventional, you know, conventional eggs. Right. But you're right, organic eggs, you know, they're not supposed to be feeding them GMO sprayed with glyphosate. Um, I don't know how strict some of the regulations are. There's so many big players that have, gone, you know, come on the scene now, yeah. uh, you know, with, with uh, saying that their things are organic when they may not be, which is very concerning. Another reason why we created the Moms Across America Gold Standard, because it includes testing, which organic does not regularly test. Non-GMO, you know, Project Verified doesn't test at all for, for chemicals. So that's, you know, very concerning to us. And, um, and I think might be one reason why some doctors, you know, and, and well-respected health advisors say, you know, they recommend for people, especially with um, things like Epstein-Barr or viruses, to not eat eggs because bacteria can grow in them. And, you know, impinge upon their health. Now, that was not something that anybody was saying 20 years ago to not eat eggs. You know, people yeah. have been eating eggs for a very long time. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, same thing with wheat, you know, and dairy. For thousands of years, people have been eating those. And all of a sudden now they're considered, you know, pretty toxic to some people. And I don't think it's necessarily because of the actual, you know, original food itself. It's because of what's been done to them. Right. And I want to take this on a on a personal level for a moment. I know that mm-hmm. from your story and from talking to you a lot that you changed to using organic grains and even not only just organic. I, let's talk about wheat specifically. You really changed mm-hmm. into using heirloom wheat. Yes. Talk about that. Yes, and I, am, only buy... I think that's such a vital thing. That's such a great thing to know about. Please. Yeah, well, it's it, there's a fascinating book called Grain by Grain by Bob Quinn. He's a farmer who is also a, a doctor. He has a PhD. And he discovered that by by having some uh, scientific studies commissioned, um, and granted it was, you know, he's a grain, he's a, he grows grain in Montana, a, a particular type of grain called Corazon. And the um, the brand name is called Kamut International. And he mentors and teaches, I think, over 250 farmers to grow this type of grain in particular organically. So they can only have the Kamut International label on it if they've grown their grain organically, meaning no, no spraying of glyphosate or any other toxic chemicals. But he commissioned some studies by a third-party lab, and they actually showed that the, the Corazon grain, the ancient grain, uh, improved gut bacteria and reduced insulin levels, like it helped people reduce their diabetes symptoms. It helped with all types of internal organ um, damage problems and health issues. It was really, it's like it helped reverse inflammation, which is the opposite of what modern grain does. And so it was really fascinating because it supported, you know, how the, the Bible and, you know, centuries of generations have said that um, grains are the staff of life, right? It, it has it, that type of study shows that it's actually quite helpful, and is not something that should be avoided in that in that form. So the ancient grains have have proteins and qualities to them, vitamins and minerals that are not found in modern grains. In fact, modern grains have a protein in particular called gliadine which is not found in ancient grains. It's been hybridized into it, and it can, it can um, compel people to eat about four. It can increase their appetite by like 400%, I think, is one of the studies I showed, that it, it really has them compelled to eat more. And so it's addictive like, like tobacco is, you know, nicotine and tobacco. And, uh, and it's, it's the one protein that when you get tested for glyphosate intolerance, that most people show up as intolerant to. 
So if you take out that gliadine out of modern wheat, most people won't be gluten intolerant. In addition, Zach Bush, Dr. Zach Bush, who's triple board certified, says that 80% of the gluten intolerances he believes are connected to the glyphosate, not even to the modern proteins. It's to the glyphosate. So first step is definitely to eat organic wheat if you're going to eat it. And second, if you see yourself um, still having reactions, and by reactions, I mean like eczema, brain fog, irritability, bloating, uh, weight gain. The second thing would be to switch to um, organic ancient grains. And if you do that, I think that you will see that you will not have the problems that um, most Americans have today, and they're attributing just to gluten intolerance. Those will mm-hmm. go away. It's, it's been yeah. great for me because for so long, I couldn't eat gluten. I couldn't enjoy regular bread. I had to buy that rice bread, the gluten-free rice bread, which was like banned. <laughs> it was horrible. You know, horrible but now toast. I can horrible toast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, now I can bake a loaf of bread and enjoy it with my kids, and I can make pizza. and You know, it's wonderful, and it tastes delicious. This, this Kamut International grain, is, it tastes buttery. It's really, really good. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that if you try other people like Ezekiel, there's um, spelt, which is very commonly found. You know, Ezekiel and spelt breads are, are common in the in grocery stores now. Cor- the kumut grain is a little bit harder to find, but you can find it in pastas and, um, you know, other types of, of uh, products as well. So, yeah, check those out. It's, it's, they're actually, it's a healthful bread. Right, and the Ezekiel breads are usually find those in the frozen section because the Ezekiel breads yes. are also one of the things I like about the Ezekiel Ezekiel breads are that they also sprout grains for I think 24 hours before they the breads aren't really baked they're they're more actually dehydrated because they're not high temperature, because they also keep all their enzymes intact. So the Ezekiel breads are a particular thing. But my warning is they're really delicious. <laughs> I mean, like, and, yeah, and dense. Boy, they're good. Yeah, they're dense. Yeah. You, you, you'll dense. find, like, I, I, you know, I find when I have those, I don't feel like I need a whole sandwich with two pieces of bread. I feel like I'm no. like, I'm good with a half a sandwich, right? <laughs> with that. Yeah, it's, it's more like a dense. treat. Like, I just need a little something because it's very dense. It's, but it's yeah. deliciously vital. I'm really, there's another and, project and, actually yeah, down nutritious. in. And nutritious. Uh, there's a project mm-hmm. down in your area, down in some, I think it's just north of LA actually, called the Tehachapi Project. And it's a group that grow mm-hmm. heirloom and ancient grains. And there's a group of a community of bakers uh, yes, around them this. that are taking their prod- products and turning them into like mind-blowing pizza or amazing grains or, you know, then they sort of, some of the bakers are actually also using wild sourdough uh, starters, which means there's no yeast involved. Not yeast is bad, but it can be tricky depending upon what the source is, but using natural Mm -hmm. fermentation to grow, make these amazing breads out of these ancient grains. And once you've had ancient grains, there is a taste, there's a qualitative difference and there's a taste difference. And I'm not just, I'm kind of talking as a chef sort of attitude, but I mean, it also feels different to work with. The, the gluten is a little better. It's more, de- more able to mm-hmm. be developed and it has a better feel on the hand when you're making bread. But really, boy, find an ancient grain source. And once you've, if you are baking, especially since as everybody was in lockdown, everybody was baking their brains out. Boy, once you bake with ancient grains and you start having that taste, as Zen was talking about, it'll be really hard to go back to something off the shelf because it is so good. It's so delicious. As we're talking about it, it almost sounds sophisticated. But the thing is that it's how the peasants ate for thousands of years. Yeah. It's really going back to the very basic way bread was used to be fermented. It was sourdough was the most common type of bread. Right. And it just was fermented on its own, you know, bacteria in the air would created it bubbly and you would actually not even use yeast and you would make, I mean, you can make a good loaf of sourdough bread now for maybe a dollar and a half. You don't have to spend, yeah. I mean, I've, I've gone to some of these bakeries like that you mentioned, it's $12 yeah. a loaf or it's, I mean, it's a giant oh, yeah. loaf of bread, but, yes. but, but it's $12 a loaf and they have lines out the door. Oh yeah. That's how good it is. Yeah. 
yeah. you can make this at home, buy the flour, learn how to make it. Don't expect it to be perfect the good first time. But when you make a good loaf of bread, I mean, you feel like you have just climbed a mountain. It feels awesome. I highly yeah. encourage people to do that. Yes. Also to make your own fermented foods like sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. And um, if, you're, if you're adventurous, if you're still eating dairy, yogurt, those types of good probiotic foods can help break down glyphosate. There's actually been a study showing that acetobacter is a good bacteria that's found in sauerkraut, kombucha, and apple cider vinegar. And it, in the soil, it actually breaks down glyphosate into non-toxic components. Now, I'm not saying that it does this in the gut, but I would, I'm just going to go with it and say, you know what, if it does that in the soil, it may do that in my gut, and I'm going to have sauerkraut, kombucha, or apple cider vinegar every day and, um, and help protect myself from glyphosate exposure, which we know is happening. You know, it's contaminating the food supply right. in various ways, even organic sometimes, in very small amounts. But you know, you just can't help it when it rains with glyphosate, right? Right. So um, there are, yeah, there are things that you can do and g- getting back into the kitchen and cooking from basics and, you know, using sprouted grains, as you mentioned, and things like that. It's, it's really wonderful. That's and the benefit the, of coming of, out of this mess of a food supply. <laughs> one of yeah. the other wonderful yeah. benefits of making your own sourdough starter, well, there are two. One, then you're getting bacteria these are good bacteria that help break down the grain. Yep. Is you're getting regional bacteria. In other words, you're you're helping your immune system be stronger by consuming the bacteria that are in your region. So that you're yes. actually you're actually emboldening your immune system to go, oh yes, I'm working what's around me. Because that's how it is if you're a mm-hmm. farmer. You go out and you're exposed to what you're growing every day. Because most farmers I know have the strongest immune systems around, and that's because they have their hands in the earth, and they're getting in touch. And sourdough is much like that. And then the, the other really amazing side benefit of making your own sourdough starter is you're going to have too much because you have to feed it every day and keep it growing and going. And they make amazing yeah. pancakes to take a sourdough oh, yeah. starter that you've got too much of and make a pancake or a waffle. Mind-blowing experience. Little little yeah. organic butter and I haven't tried that. Maple syrup. I haven't tried that yet. Oh my I haven't God. tried that yet, but I hear that it's wow. great. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a whole food show. Um, okay, and so another, yeah. go ahead. Another good reason to make your own food, I just want to put out there, is that the USDA and is recently announced that they are not regulating GMOs, so you won't be able to tell that on a package at all. And also that the FDA has said that during this COVID shutdown, that food companies will be allowed to switch uh, ingredients, substitute ingredients without changing the label. So very important for people who have allergies to consider that the food coming out on the shelves in a couple of months from now uh, could be hazardous to people, especially if you have a life-threatening allergy to corn or canola, you know, some, an ingredient that's a small ingredient if it's less than 2% of what's in the food package uh, that could be substituted. Tapioca starch could be substituted for corn starch, you know, sunflower oil for canola oil, things like that. And the food company doesn't have to change the label. So we're doing a campaign about that as well uh, next week. And we hope that people will go to momsacrossamerica.org, sign up for our newsletter, get our alerts, get involved and let the policymakers know that we, this is unacceptable. We, we have to have a safe food supply. I have so many bad words I want to use about that. <laughs> so yeah. many bad words yeah. about the fact that they can yeah. just hot swap out like, oh, we had a leftover some old soy oil. Let's dump that in there. Or just, you know, it's just really, really. It's I, unconscionable. I, it really it's, is. People could die I, over this. It's just yeah. appalling. I think I'll, I'll politely say it's appalling. Um, yes. Zen, as always, the hour went incredibly fast. It was great. We may have to yeah. do a whole food show sometime <laughs> just talking about <laughs> the things. Because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of fermented foods. Um, one of them mm-hmm. is natto, which is uh, fermented soybeans, because it helps break them down. And, and natto is also a natural anti-inflammatory. So that if you make your own, your own organic soybeans and ferment them with a microorganism, then you can then either eat them on a food or, you know, traditionally the, the Japanese would eat them on rice or noodles, but they're a natural anti-inflammatory. 
So they're, and it's all yeah. fermented foods. Everybody has to get past the sort of like spookiness of fermented foods. Like, oh, I hate sauerkraut. Just have a little bit of fermented food every day. It's yeah. an well, amazing other, thing. Other cultures do. Korean and Japanese and Mediterranean, they have fermented foods with every meal. And yeah. lo and behold, they're significantly healthier than we are. You know, Japan had uh, COVID. They have very high population density and, uh, you know, at least that of New York City. They had very low uh, rates of COVID and deaths. Very low. They eat fermented food every day and they have a much healthier, um, you know, population. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of fermented food. Now, there are some people with such severe gut issues that they can't eat fermented food right now. They really have to heal their gut. They have to restore the integrity of their gut first. And we right. have some health solutions on our website or health solution store on monsteracrossamerica.org to check out around that. But really, right. the first step is to eat organic as much as possible. Get the toxins out of your body first, and you'll start to yeah. re- recover you know, naturally. Yep. Okay, we'll stop now. Otherwise, we'll do a whole other hour okay. right now. Um, okay, that was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you Richard. Take care. Have a great day. Everybody. Everybody have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>